0: Welcome to Bible class. So, this morning we're going to continue uh, talking about Mark chapter 4. So, if, you, if you're new here or haven't been to uh, Bible class in a while or know anything of what's going on, uh, we are working in the Mark My Word series. So, we're working through the Gospel of Mark, uh, just, just allowing, allowing the story of Jesus from Mark's account, allowing that story. Um, to tell us what we need to hear. <laughs> Not going to it with, uh, with preconceived notion or assumptions or, or or just any base knowledge, but just going to it fresh and, and reading the story as a whole and trying to discover what, uh, what the story has for us today. Uh, and we have entered into um, a very unique section of Mark's gospel. So last week we talked about that Mark does this on two accounts. Uh, two times, he will um, kind of step away from the story, telling the story of Jesus. And, and he moves into the section, he does it again in chapter 13. So he does it chapter 4 and chapter 13, where he basically says, if you were to listen to Jesus, like if you were in a town that he traveled in, or if you were to sit at his feet as you would a rabbi and listen to him teach, these are some of the things you would hear him say. Uh, And and this section in chapter 4 is unique because it's all about parables. Uh, And so these past two weeks, uh, we have been talking about a parable, what a parable is, and, and why Jesus uses these primarily puzzling stories to reveal and teach about the kingdom of God. Uh, and, and they are. That's exactly what they are. We, we explained a parable last week, and the reason for this kind of backdrop of this image of a stained glass window is that parables are a lot like that. You know, from the outside, if you were to walk outside this window and look in, uh, it would look dull and lifeless and grayscale, right? You don't see the, any significance of it. You can see maybe hints of color, but you don't. the full picture isn't there. It's not until you actually walk inside and you look at the stained glass from the inside that you can actually see the brilliance and the radiance and the color and how all the pieces work together. And it's the same with parables and it's the same with Jesus and it's the same with the kingdom of God. That it's not until you step closer that you step into the story or you step, um, you step in step or step closer to the person telling it, Jesus himself, that the things he taught and his life itself is revealed to you. From the outside, it looks dull, it looks chaotic, it looks insignificant even, but when you step closer, it slowly is revealed to you, and that's, that's what these parables are about, and that's why when you read them, and when I read them, we read them together, we read them and we're like, what is going on here? Um, and we're going to do more of that today, um, but when you step a little bit closer, you see the significance of it, and the beauty begins shining through. So we're going to continue. Uh, continue in Mark chapter 4. Last week we got through the first parable, uh, the parable of the sower, just a reminder of kind of what is happening in this section. Uh, Jesus has kind of established, kind of built a a natural amphitheater here on this mountainside. Um, So if you recall, Jesus, um, he, he the, the Galilean, the Sea of Galilee and the Galilean uh, landscape kind of has these, these rolling hills. And these hills, they'll go basically, in some parts, they'll go straight into the water. So it's just hill and goes straight down and basically bays out into the water. And so a lot of people, um, and, and scientists have gone and tested it, that you can go in these areas and you can actually speak to thousands of people the way it travels across the water and hits the mountains. You can actually speak easily to thousands of people. Uh, so there's just these natural uh, theaters set up for people to teach. And Jesus, he's gotten to a boat and he's moved a little bit offshore because sound travels better over water uh, and he's teaching and he, and he has this, this crowd of people from all different walks of life, um, people who are on Jesus' side and people who are not on Jesus' side, people who are intrigued and people who are frustrated with Jesus, they're all here and they're all listening. And Jesus is calling them to listen. If you remember, uh, we talked last week about the importance, the significance of that, of listening, of learning to be good listeners and how we're not good at it. Um, Even when we're listening, we're developing a response or we're commentating what the person says. But Jesus is calling us to actually listen to him, to hear his words, to be open-minded and to allow His words and His life, the closer we get to Him, to transform us into a new human, the human we've been designed to be. And so that's kind of a, a summary of what we talked about last week. There's a lot more in there, um, but you can find that uh, we have a podcast, and it's all recorded. I think you can find most of our stuff on there, um, so you can check that out. So this week we're going to continue. Mark chapter 4, uh, there's three, three more parables in this section. So the first one starts in verse 21, the next one starts in verse 26, and the next one in verse 30. I don't know how much I'm going to make it through these. Um, I don't know how much time I'm going to have. They seem really short, but there's tons packed in here. Uh, and I tried writing most of my stuff, so at times I might just be reading from my paper, uh, but that's just me trying to give you the best the best I can, because uh, there's just a lot here. Uh so the sayings that are found in this section, all of the sayings and phrases and parables themselves are found throughout uh, Matthew and Luke as well, uh, and even other Gospels that aren't in ours. The Gospel of Thomas, for example, has some of these stories in them as well, uh, which, which gives us a, a good idea or a good understanding that Mark was most likely the first. Uh, and then that these other collection of writings used Mark as a, as a resource as they began to write their Gospels. And they began to uh, remember the story and, and as they began to develop their understanding of it. So uh, this, this section is just, is just filled with, uh, with stories and phrases that's used throughout all of the Gospels. Uh, and, and I'm going to ask somebody to go ahead and read for us that first parable so, in some of your Bibles, it's called a lamp under a basket or you might have a lamp on a stand or something in in that regard. Um, it's verses twenty one through twenty five. Will somebody just read that for us? Okay, uh, strange. <laughs> um, so Jesus has moved off of the parable of the sower and he just explained it. He explained it as You know the seed's going to fall on different soil some of it's going to be rocky some of it's going to be thorny some of it's going to be good Uh, and then he moves straight into this parable this little story Uh, and your bible does not do it justice Um, it leaves out a very important element Um, in fact my bible does it as well Um, and the esv is usually a more literal translation but if you look at the greek you're you're missing uh you're missing a lot in this in these in this little story so uh, it's, it's interesting, all of the other Gospels, they put the lamp, the lamp in this story, okay, that's, that's the subject. They put the lamp in the objective case. But, but Mark, he puts it as the subject of the sentence, right? This is the main character, this, this lamp. Whatever this lamp is, it's not a person who has a lamp, it's the lamp. That is the object, that is, or that is the subject. And Mark is the only one who does this, and I think he does it for theological reasons, right? He's making a theological case when he when he says, when he's talking about this lamp. And another thing that our Bibles miss out on is that yours has a lamp, doesn't it? When you look at it, does it say a lamp? Yeah, yours has a lamp. So in Greek it uses a definitive article. It's the lamp, which might sound insignificant but it's, it's pointing to a singular source of light. It's not pointing to just, just a sort. This, this is a TV of all of the many TVs out there, or this is the TV, and there is no other TV. This is the TV. This is the one, okay? So y- you kind of get the idea of the significance of it, that this is a definite. This is, this is um, a singular lamp. So why is Mark, why does he feel like he needs to put the lamp? Well, if it's pointing to Jesus, right, if this is not just an ordinary lamp, if, it, if it's trying to pull something out of this, uh, if, he's trying to, if he's trying to talk about something more significant, he's, he's, he's establishing it as the, the lamp. Now, again, I, I know this comes from the, word, the mouth of Jesus. It's in red letters, right? And this very well could be what if Jesus, Jesus had said, like the lamp. Um, We don't know, because Matthew and and Luke, they have a lamp. Um, They they have it differently. So Mark decided to not put a, to put the. And I I think uh, when you look a little bit closer, you kind of see why. Another interesting thing about the lamp uh, is that the lamp is coming. Okay, so um, let's see. Mine says a lamp is brought to you or is put in. What does yours have? Does anybody have the word coming there by chance? What's that? It's brought in. Yeah, to bring in. Yeah. Do you have anything different? Probably not. Um, that's unfortunate. Uh, mine doesn't either, so it's unfortunate. Uh, so the word in Greek there, uh, I'm, I, I don't necessarily know how to say it. Um, I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to try to say it. But, it, but it means coming, and it's the same word that's used for Jesus. Uh, if you remember, uh, in Mark chapter one, uh, oh, I should have written this down. Okay. So Mark chapter one, verse 14 has an example of it. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, right? That, that he came that coming verse, that coming verb, um, that's the same word, same word used here, um that this light, it comes. It's a, it's a verb that is used for primarily a living thing, a human, right? But it's given to an object, a lamp here, uh, which is, maybe you find that interesting, maybe not. Again, I think it's pointing to uh, Mark trying to pull out something significant, that this isn't, a, this isn't an ordinary lamp by any means, uh, but rather it's a metaphor, right? Uh, and that this lamp, that's bringing light, that this lamp is Jesus, and that Jesus is bringing light. He's bringing uh, revelation. He's revealing something, right? Because the most important thing in a dark room is a lamp, is it not? (laughs) If you're in a dark room, how useful is everything in that room without light? Next to none, right? If you can't see it, if you can't experience it, if you don't know where it is, It's useless. The most significant thing in any room is a light. If we were sitting in dark here, there was no light. You would just be hearing a voice in the abyss, (laughs) right? And you wouldn't be able to read the words for yourself. You wouldn't see me or you wouldn't see each other, right? Light is the most significant thing. And this light is bringing light to everything in this room. And everything that is hidden in this room is now being revealed. Do you see this? And the light itself, it can't be hidden right? Whenever you use a light, do you put it under a bed? Do you put it under a towel? What do you, what do, you do with a lamp when you, when you want to use it? Well, the parable and what Jesus um, says in this parable is you put it on a stand and it gives light and it, and it reveals everything inside the room that you want to use, right? God's purpose in Jesus is to enlighten the world. God's purpose, like the reason that we have Jesus is so that God's kingdom can be revealed to us like a light in a dark room that that everything in that room finds its use and finds its meaning because there is first light. And without that light, that you, you might be able to use things, you might be able to ma- make your way around the room, but you can't use it in the same dynamic that you can if there's a light there. Is this is this tracking the the significance that of what Mark and, and really what Jesus is doing in this parable, this theological significance of Jesus? Like this is Jesus making a stance. I am that light, the light, not a light. I am the light, and the light that's going to reveal what. G- oh, excuse me, <laughs> I ate some bread right before, uh, right before I started teaching. Um, uh, Man, I forgot what I was saying. It was so good. I'm sorry. Uh, that the kingdom of God is going to be revealed by Jesus. That, that's the point. That's the point I want to get. In uh, the very humanness of Jesus. So we, we often forget that Jesus was a human because, I mean, because we view him as our Savior, as the divine, as the Messiah. We read these, these miracle stories, him walking on water and him healing people of disease and sickness, and we forget that he was flesh and bone like us and right? the very humanness of Jesus, it governs the glory of God from overwhelming and blinding the world. Right? Jesus is like the, like the screen of a lampshade, like the lampshade, where God's glory and God's magnificence and his power, I mean the creator of all things, is the light bulb. And Jesus is the shade that that keeps us from staring straight at the bulb, right? It it keeps us from being blinded by the the radiance of God, but it, it still filters and provides light to the room, right? And at the same time, Jesus, the humanness of Jesus, it invites us to discover the kingdom by experience, right? He invites us in, and that's what these parables are about. And I'll, I'll mention this in the sermon, but the rather baffling activity of God through Jesus, right? And if you don't think that the story of Jesus and God is not baffling, you're not reading, you're not thinking about it hard enough, that God, God, the creator, the, the thing, the, the being by which your image is made, the one who created time and space and matter, that that God who lives in a space that is completely other than us, that he decided, I want to come down to your level. I want to walk with you. I want to be you. I want to experience what you experience. The creator becomes the creation. Significant. It's baffling. And the rather baffling activity of God and Jesus is like hide-and-seek to us. We, We see... Uh, we, we, see, we see hints of it. It's hidden from us. But only things that are hidden, things that are hidden are, are, are how do I say this? Um, only that which is first hidden can be found. Right? If we want to discover Jesus, if, if something has to be revealed to us, it has to first be hidden from us. And God, whenever you leave here and you go and you drive down the road and you see a billboard or a sign of some kind, we just got back from New York City and there we went in Times Square and there are just lights and billboards everywhere, right? And never are you going to walk into, the, into Times Square and all on those billboards is going to be God talking to you about what the kingdom of God looks like, right? God doesn't, God doesn't reveal himself by a giant billboard that tells you what you need to believe. God doesn't reveal himself. He's never done that. Rather, God's kingdom is mysterious, it's hidden, it's secret, it comes in the form of a person just like you and me, and it dies, and it's, he's rejected, he's crucified. And that's how God's kingdom is going to be revealed, slowly and over time, like a lamp in a dark room, it's going to reveal what is in that room. Uh, so right after Jesus kind of explains this, this little excerpt about the light, He he brings us back to this phrase that we've we've seen before. In fact, we've seen it uh, about three times in Mark chapter 4, verse 23. If anybody has ears to hear, let them hear. The importance of hearing. Are you listening? Are you coming close? Are you listening? And then he moves into this other section, which this this is a perfect section, a perfect example of the danger of taking the Bible out of its context if you strip these next couple of verses, and you just read them for themselves, you completely lose what Mark and what Jesus was connecting them to, okay, and maybe you've heard these, these verses, maybe you've heard the abuse of these verses, so let's just take what we know, where where Jesus has been, and let's, let's continue reading, uh, and see where he goes with it, so he says, if anybody has ears to hear, let them hear, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear, With the the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Wow. Okay. (laughs) What? What are you saying here, Jesus? What? What? What are you talking about? Are you saying that the people who have stuff are going to be given more, and that the poor is just they're just going to be coming more poor? Like what? What are you trying to tell me? And that's a danger, right? If we, if we don't, but if you read it in the, in the context of what, what is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about the kingdom of God. And he's talking about the kingdom of God being revealed. And he just asked the question, are you hearing? Are you listening to me? What do you already know? Do you actually know something? And the more you know, the more you step closer to me, the more that's going to be revealed to you you see this Do you see that in, the, in its context the more the more you know the more you step closer to me and the more the more the more you come inside the church and look at the stained glass window from the inside the more I'm going to be revealed to you but if you stay on the outside if you decide to not have if you want to look at me from the distance that's fine but it's just going to keep being taken away The kingdom of God is not a billboard that you can read and everybody in the world is going to read and believe and understand. It's something that you have to intentionally step towards. And the closer you step to it, the more that's going to be revealed to you. And the further you step back and the further you you create the screen in front, the more abstract and obscure and ridiculous the life of Jesus is going to look. And that's how the kingdom's been designed. It's not designed to just catch everybody. It's not designed to get your attention from the beginning. It's not designed to give you what you want. The kingdom of God, it's designed for you to be curious and intrigued and interesting, and it's designed for you to take that step towards Jesus. And if you are willing to take those steps, if you're willing to know more, if you're willing to listen, Jesus promises that his glory and the the kingdom of God, that it will be slowly revealed to you over time. It's awesome, right? It's a parable of a lamp. It's a lamp, a lamp that gives light, that reveals something in a dark room. And in this world and in this life, it's a dark room. There's a lot of darkness that surrounds us. And Jesus promises, I'm going to reveal things in this world to you, but you have to first come towards me. Okay, whew. Um, the, this, this is also an old Jewish saying, um, the idea of pay attention to what you hear, kind of going back to what I just said, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, if you listen, it will be revealed, if you don't, you won't get, this is an old Jewish phrase, another one that I've heard, or that I've read through Jewish literature, uh, in the pot which you cook, in, a, in the pot which you cook for others, you'll be cooked, is another proverb in the same, like measure you use is going to be given the pot you use to cook for others you're going to be cooked in yourself so decide what you want that to look like uh and yeah okay and then verse 25 mark applies this jewish wisdom saying to the understanding of parables it seems illogical that more can be given to one who has and then the one who has not Um uh, Let's see. The degree to which one hears the parables, the extent to which one allows the kingdom to break upon oneself will determine the measure of one's understanding. Does that make sense? If you allow the, these parables in the kingdom of God to break you, to break your understanding of the world, to, to break your understanding of people, to, to break your understanding of Jesus and the Bible, if you allow the kingdom to break you, it, it, it can be revealed. and and this is something that I'll mention in my sermon, but the the kingdom of God and and the story of Jesus, it's not an intellectual, it it can't be grasped through intellectual comprehension. Nothing Nothing that you do will give you enough knowledge to understand by knowledge alone, by knowing. There's nothing you can do to understand the kingdom of God. The, the only way the kingdom of God can be, can be truly embraced and understood is it has to break through your heart and your emotions and your mind. It's not through, it's not through uh, intellect. It's through emotion and heart and feeling, this idea of love and faith. All of it has to work together, and that's how the kingdom is revealed to us. Uh, the one who hears... Right, who knocks on the door, it's going to be open to them. Right, Jesus talks about this um, in Matthew. Right, but you have to first knock. Right, the 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 kingdom, it's going to be given to you, but you have to walk towards me. Uh, It's not it's not a hurried sense. It's not a door that when the time is coming to the end, you just run to the door and you knock and hope that someone will open up because there will come a time, and we're told there's going to come a time when that when that door will no longer open. When at whatever world and and age and and time that we're living in as human beings, right now, this time will eventually end. Just like it began, it will end. Everything that begins, it's going to end. And so when are we going to decide in our life, when are we going to decide to actually try to knock on that door? We can spend our whole life wondering what's on the other side, we can spend our whole life talking about people who have come in and out of that door, who've experienced what it's like to knock and to be received, or we could just actually knock on it and see what's actually behind it. It doesn't mean you have to step in. It doesn't mean you have to, you have to agree with whatever the host says, but knock. And that's the invitation that Jesus gives. He says, knock on the door of the kingdom." step closer to me Jesus step closer and I will reveal things to you that you've never seen before but I'm not going to do it if you're going to stand back there if you're going to stand back there I'm always going to be strange and different and weird but if you want it to be revealed to you come closer and I, I will give it to you okay so we move so so Jesus ends that parable <laughs> that's the end okay so now he's moving to the next weird story okay and and the significance about these next two is the first parable, that parable of the of the lamp, was about Jesus. Um, it was about how uh, Jesus is used as an instrument to reveal God's kingdom. These next two parables are going to be specifically about the kingdom of God, and Jesus is going to introduce them. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like this. It's like that. Uh, so, so we uh, just just kind of know that in the back of your head as we read these last two parables. Will somebody read the next one, the parable of the seed growing? Uh, it's verses 26 through 29. Will you just read that for us? Awesome. Thank you so much, Sonia. Okay, so that's the kingdom of God. <laughs> um, that's it right there. You, you just read. If you, if you, Everything you need to know about the kingdom, it's right there. Um, now, it, it's a lot more, but uh, the, this parable is interesting. It's this is, uh, the Gospel of Mark is the only place this, this little parable is found. Um, so it's unique, it's special, it's different. Uh, it's very similar to the parable we read at the beginning of Mark chapter 4. Um, the idea of a farmer going out and planting, sowing, we don't use that word, we're not necessarily farmers here, uh, but he's planting seed, right? We have this image of the planner, this farmer going out and planting seed. Uh, and, uh, but he has wholly different effect. Right, because well, in the first parable, what what did the seed fall on? It fell on some rocks and some thorns, and then the pathway, and got stepped on, and birds took it away. Uh, Eventually, it found good soil. But this one, it grows. Okay, so it's a different, different story, but still connecting us to the same image of the kingdom of God. Uh, In both parables. So this parable, and the parable we're going to read here in a moment, it's about the mustard seed. both of these parables are stories of surprise. They're supposed to surprise you, right? You're, you're, supposed, to, you're supposed to start the story and think, oh, man, what's going to happen? And you come out of the story, and you, you, you're just stuck in awe. They're, they're meant to just to make your jaw drop, to make you actually think about what the, king, the magnificence of the kingdom uh, because how it began and how it ends are completely separate from each other. Uh, so Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like, a man scattered seed on the ground. Wow, <laughs> that is quite the way to start about the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God, God's glory. If, if God's world was to come and break into our world, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to look like a seed, think about that, right? Because the kingdom of God, right? Jesus, he could have likened the kingdom of God to a lot of different things. He could have likened it to a crimson sunset or a shimmering mountain peak or the lusty glory of a gladiator, right? He could have compared it to anything, but what does he decide to compare it to? A seed, a tiny little seed. That's the kingdom of God? That's what I've been waiting for? That's God's glory right there in a seed? Are you kidding me? Jesus, no. This isn't right, right? But that's the paradox of the gospel. That's the the paradox. That's the upside-down understanding of Jesus and the good news of Jesus and the the story of Jesus. Indeed, in fact, it's the scandal of Jesus, is it not? That, That Jesus, that the glory of God is disguised in the most common place, right? The the God whom whom Jesus introduces to us, the the God who Jesus introduces to us in his parables is not kept at celestial arm length, right? It's not like God's kingdom, you're going to know when God's kingdom comes. It's like a bulldozer coming through a grocery store. Like, you're going to know when it comes. No, he doesn't do that. God compares, or Jesus compares God's glory and God's kingdom in the world, he compares it to a seed, an insignificant seed. Jesus, he does not spend time telling us about how high and lofty God is, but instead he tells us how very near and present he is. How routine planting and harvesting how these are mundane clues to the nature and the plan of God. That God, the glory of God, is, is here. It's with you. It's not something that, that is beyond you, it's not something that is out of reach to you. It is something that is common and it can be revealed to you by common things. It's a pretty amazing. <laughs> So Jesus, in this parable, he, he compares it. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seeds on the ground. Okay, cool. Wow. That is very normal. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, the kingdom of God, it can be compared to a businessman that goes and sits at a computer. That's what it can be compared to. Okay, that sounds very normal. What's, where's the significance? Verse 27, he sleeps and he rises night and day, the seed sprouts and it grows. He doesn't know how it grows, but it does, right? And in the same way, that's what the kingdom of God looks like, doesn't it? That the seed is put in the ground, and especially to, now modern science, we we understand the, the, the process of growth, we understand how a seed grows, but especially for an ancient, right? They don't understand how a seed grows, You put it in the ground and something big pops out of it and eventually that thing's going to grow so big You can eat something that grows from it It's crazy when you think about it that something that small can turn into something taller than this building Right, and it can produce fruit that can give you life But it started small And that's what jesus compares the kingdom to In the same way that you don't understand because you probably don't because I don't understand it. I didn't look it up The same way that you probably don't understand how that little bitty seed that you put in the ground and pops up and becomes bigger than this building, how that happens, that's what the kingdom of God is like. You don't know how it happens, but it's going to happen. You put that seed in the ground, you're a farmer, you're gonna wake up the next day and there's gonna be a harvest there and you have to harvest it. Your job is not to make it grow. Your job is to plant it and whenever the time comes, it will be harvested. Your job is to plant it, not to make it grow, not to figure out how it grows, not to try to master it, but to put it in the ground. And the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, is like this. It's going to be put in the ground, and at its own time, it's going to grow into something significant. Uh, Which is a paradox, which is just a, a completely different and other way of understanding what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. Because when we think of the kingdom of God, we want to see it. We want to see it happening. We want to see it happening now. In this world, we're looking for where is the kingdom of God and how can I bring it to this world today? And we're trying to take big things and we're trying to show God off in big ways, but God has never worked that way. God has never worked that way. God has never tried to make the headlines. God has always worked through insignificant means to bring the most significant results. God has always worked through people like Jesus, who is a farmer from Galilee, from Nazareth, from nowhere, who's going to be rejected and killed a, a traitor's death. That's what, Je- that's what God uses to bring about his plan. It's like a seed planted in the ground. Okay, let's, um, let's go ahead and read the, the last parable as we kind of move, we keep moving through this. So will somebody read the parable of the mustard seed, uh, verses 30, and just go ahead and read through 34. It gets through the end of the parable, but it's a, it's a good little section at the end. Okay, so the, the, the parable of the mustard seed, it's found also uh, Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 13. So that's easy to remember. Uh, and it's also found in, in the Gospel of Thomas uh, in chapter 20. So if you ever want to read the Gospel of Thomas, I encourage you to. Uh, the, the language here about the mustard seed, it's, it's reminiscent of Isaiah 40:18. Uh, which for the sake of time, just write that one down and go read it a little bit later. Um, it, it's a good little section, of Isaiah, about this, this magnificent tree. Um, and, and really, that's what this parable is about. Unlike the preceding parable that we just read, uh, talking about growth and a growth that's going to happen uh, without our understanding, uh, this parable is not as, uh, is, is doesn't care as much about the growth of the seed, but rather the contrast of the seed and what it's going to become, right? It, it's focusing more on the contrast, and that's why uh, it's put in there that the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, <clears throat> which is not true. Um, to them, it was true. Um, to an ancient, that it's true. But there are seeds that are actually smaller than mustard seeds, uh, which is fine. I mean, they did the best with what they knew, and the, what they knew is a mustard seed, and so Jesus used a mustard seed. Uh, and regardless of it being the smallest, it is one of the smallest for sure. Uh, mustard seed can be compared to if, you, uh, if you've ever had uh, that rock salt, like the, the thick salt that you have to sometimes grind up or just like the sea salt chunks. Uh, it's about that size, like a grain almost. Um, uh, it's very small. You can hold it in your fingers, uh, but it's very small, very small, uh, kind of like a chia seed. Uh, Poppy seed, there's a good a good one. Poppy seed, chia seed, all of those around that that size. A pretty small tree, or a pretty small uh, pretty small seed, um, and it turns into a very large tree. Not the largest. It's not red oaks in California by any means, uh, but it, it turns into a tree uh, that probably it can get uh, about to the size of this this. Um, Screen. Wow. <laughs> I'm talking about trees, and I'm trying to turn to technology. Um, it's about the size of this screen, About can get that tall. It's like a giant shrub, like a big bush, right? And this tiny little seed is compared to that. I don't know how it happens, but it does. It just, it just turns into this magnificent thing. It's so small, but it turns into something big and powerful, right? And that, with the hyperbole of a good storyteller, right, Jesus fashions the periv- peri- The mustard seed. I'm not even going to try. Into an illustration of the kingdom, right? As the preceding parable, the kingdom is not something humanity brings about, but it's something that God gives. Right? There's nothing that the human does that makes that seed grow. Maybe water, but I mean, trees grow in the wild all the time, right? I mean, we don't even have a part in that. It grows on its own. It does its thing. A seed does what it does in the ground. Right? The greatest point is that the kingdom of God arises from. Obscurity and insignificance—that's the point. That—that's what—that's what Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God to. It's in—it's insignificant, or it looks insignific- insignificant. Uh, it looks obscure. It looks hidden. That there's no way it's going to win the day, but it eventually it turns into a giant tree. Right? It does something which nobody could imagine right? It does something, or it's going to do something, which is going to be utterly impossible, just like a mustard seed growing into a giant tree, a tree that birds can lay nests in, right? Something a bird was eating eventually is going to turn into something that a bird is nesting and having children and creating life in. It's it's pretty amazing. That's what the kingdom of God, it has obscure beginnings. It looks small and insignificant in the beginning, but it's not, it doesn't matter what it looks like in the beginning. God's going to provide the growth it matters what's going to come out of it at the end. Uh, what appears to be the smallest is nevertheless the greatest. In that which is hidden, the foundation of a work is laid that will encompass the whole world. Um, it's something I wrote. <laughs> so, uh, there's also some interesting things here. If, if you want to do further research and looking at this section, I encourage you to go look at Daniel. Um, Daniel chapter 4, Daniel chapter 7, um, there's really good imagery of a tree, a tree of life, a tree that uh, birds nest in. Um, there's also other places, Psalm 104 12, Ezekiel 17 23, uh, again Daniel 4 9-21, all of these cluing into the significance of a tree giving life, and that is what Jesus is comparing the kingdom to, and I think in some ways he's alluding back to the Old Testament prophets. They, they prophesized about a about a tree that would give life to the world. And Jesus is saying, hey, guess what? That tree, it's beginning to sprout now. Um, so really cool. In addition to the surprising growth of the kingdom, the parable of the mustard seed, it contains a hint of God's grace to all people. Um, and that can be seen in the idea of these birds nesting in the tree. That Let's see, what does it say? Uh, okay. Okay larger than the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in the shade. Um, Mark is most likely talking to a Roman audience here. Uh, and basically, there's just connections to Gentiles. Um, a lot of times Gentiles were referred to, there's this imagery of Gentiles like, are like birds, and, and they make nests in the tree that's not necessarily made for them to make nests in. Uh, so maybe that this is Mark kind of including everybody that that this tree, the kingdom of God, is going to be for everybody. But I don't necessarily have time to break that down. Uh, okay, so as a conclusion, as a kind of close out here, uh, so we read through these parables, uh, and it is the all-important first step. this is what I wrote. maybe, maybe it'll be helpful. Uh, those who are unable to hear find parables. Uh, confusing, basically. Hearing determines whether one is an insider or an outsider. If you hear and you're willing to hear, what do you hear? What are you listening for? And it is the all-important first step that leads to fellowship with Jesus, where fuller understanding becomes possible. For when we are alone, when Jesus was alone with his disciples, when he was close with the people, the people who came to him, when he spent time with them, Gospel of Mark, right here, at the very end, it tells us that he explained these parables to him, right? Only in association with Jesus can lead one to learn understanding, sorry, wow, only in association with Jesus can one learn to understand the language about God. Only within association with Jesus can one learn to understand the language of God and how God works in the world and what God looks like in the world right? Parables, they were the public persona of Jesus, the teacher, right? He used parables. This is his teaching style. And he, and he used graphic images of everyday life. He teased out, he tantalized, he tested his audience, right? He used these parables as a, as a test for them and, and, a, and made them think as little riddles and inviting them in as they listened. And you have the same response. If you're on the mountainside and you're listening to Jesus, what is your response? Right? He's inviting people into an insider experience of the kingdom, and that's found through fellowship with him. And that's what he's inviting you into. I know these are obscure. I know these are abstract, Jesus says, and that's how they've been designed to be. Right? I'm not going to just put it on a billboard for it to be clear. I want you to make that first step, come closer to me, and these things are going to be revealed. And You're not going to understand it, just like you're not going to understand the seed But even something so small and insignificant can can turn into something great and mighty, right? And understanding that mystery can only be revealed if you come to me, the light. And that's what Jesus, I believe, what Jesus is trying to tell us through these parables, through these little stories. Uh, Okay, so that is, that's it. Uh, Next week, Tracy is going to um, finish out chapter four with the story of the storm, Jesus calming the storm. I think it's going to be really interesting. Uh, But let's go ahead and close out in prayer, and then we'll get ready for worship. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for all the ways that you are good and mighty and powerful. And God, uh, I know at times we just, we wish you would show that power and glory in this world more. Uh, We wish that you would just make yourself known and make it more evident to us. But God, you have told us, that your kingdom, that it, it comes in the most obscure ways, the most hidden ways, the most secret and mysterious ways, and God to understand it and understand it in its fullest, then we must be, we must learn to be good listeners. We must be open, we must keep our minds open to your word and your life and your message, then we must come closer to Jesus. We must listen and learn to love and share grace in the way that he does. I thank you for this time that we've had us studying your word, and may everything we do now and in the next hour, may it all be to your glory. We say this in the name of that Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.